This episode of Shootcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Monavale on Sydney's northern beaches, they're one of Australia's best craft brewers. Be sure to check them out online and get your order in, or why not visit the brewery? Thank you to Modus for your support. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking with Tom Carter, former Sydney University and New South Wales Waratah. Really looking forward to having a chat with Tom about his extensive career in the Shoot Shield, which has yielded him eight premierships, over 200 first grade games for Sydney University, second most in the club's illustrious history. Off the field, Tom's been a very, very colourful figure, polarising certainly, passionate absolutely, but clearly a winner, and I know he's got a very interesting story to tell. This should be a great listen. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Shootcast. Welcome to Shootcast. Joining me on the line this evening is Tom Carter. Tom, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you, and thanks very much for having us. Mate, it's a pleasure. I've been uh, hoping to get you on. A couple of mates, uh, once I started on this podcast series, I've been hoping you would be one of my guests. I've watched your career uh, with interest uh, for, for many years, as, as we all have. But um, before we get onto that, and, and obviously lots to cover, the career is uh, extensive as yours. How are you going in this uh, strange old year, mate? Yeah, look, obviously, uh, it's pretty tough out there for everyone. Uh, but, um, you know, I've been fortunate or unfortunate in the extent I've been involved with the Australian Women's Sevens um, girls. So uh, we were supposed to have, have obviously been to the Tokyo Olympics and that was postponed. So um, that's been a bit unfortunate, but, but, but very fortunate that uh, obviously our program um, now is in focus for 2021, uh, as, as we're saying. And um, you know, been busy working with them, and then and then my business, my human performance. Um, a couple of cricketers have been obviously locked in Australia, so um, I've been able to work away with them. But uh, yeah, it's certainly a very um, different and challenging times. Yeah, now the uh, whole sporting world is obviously uh, in a bit of a holding pattern, which which has been interesting. But you've been, uh, you know, since you you, you finished your, your professional rugby op- um, obligations with the Waratahs, you've you've set up this this business of yours, human performance, and that sort of dovetailed into some of this high performance sport uh, coaching that you're doing at the moment. Yeah, look, you know, I guess no transition's ever really easy for professional sport. Um, but uh, I guess I was fortunate. I sort of I didn't know I'd go full time into it, so I was a qualified. Uh, exercise and sports scientist, but I didn't think I'd end up being just solely working in coaching. I've sort of dabbled a couple of times. I've tried to get into the firefighters and um, obviously done a little bit of study, so I wasn't sure whether I'd go down the research pathway. Um, but mm. um, And then had a dual role at Sydney University for a while, um, but been really, really enjoying, I suppose, the last three years just focusing on uh, athletic performance and, and helping individuals and a, and a few team sports and... Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it, and uh, um, yeah, I certainly am very fortunate to be involved in in the industry that I am. You're three years uh, away from uh, campus, mate. Are you missing the place or what? <laughs> well, I think I used to live in a Bermuda Triangle, sort of in between Glebe, Sydney University, or Camperdown, and and uh, and at that stage, obviously, um, uh, you know, Moore Park, where the Waratahs were based, I sort of spent probably the best part of fourteen or fifteen years in that little yeah. hub. But um, no, look. Um, you know, I think, you know, transitioning and changing is um, often difficult, but I've uh, been really fortunate, I suppose, to um, learn lots and, and, and experience lots of different things. 
Given you're such an integral part of the university, you know, program for such a long time, did you feel like you owed it to yourself and and maybe even the club in some respect a, a little bit of space once you once you did sort of part ways with with, with playing? Oh well, I think you know uh, endings are always hard because I suppose um, you know it's been a part of my whole identity and, and growing up there it was sort of the only thing I ever knew um, and my family mm. had been involved in the club for 25 years, but um, it probably felt right in the sense when Tim Davidson was moving on and then. Um, Garrett Cowley, who's now at Bramwick, who I think is a tremendous coach, wasn't going to be involved. I sort of felt like probably it was time for me to go. I'd been a massive personality um, in the change room and and, mm-hmm. and had influence. And I, was, and I think it was probably an opportunity for Rob Taylor to um, and the club to formulate their own views and, and their own way of doing things. And, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, they've had some success and, and they've probably had some other times where I think in, in one year they only had one grade in the grand final and, and all of those types of things. But I think, um, you know, I think as a person, ultimately I was probably a little bit selfish in the sense that I thought that it was time for me to go and do my own thing. And, um, you know, it's pretty tough on your family and, um, you know, your own life, personal life, spending, you know, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night up at university and then, and then most weekends. So, in retrospect, I probably now think I wish I did it a little bit earlier. I probably enjoyed it a lot more uh, than mm. I thought I would. Um, and, you know, I still miss the place, but, um, you know, I don't think um, I'll be certainly returning for, a, for any time in the short, you know, in the short term, that is for sure. Is it you, you relate it to a little bit to like the uh, the heavyweight boxer that just doesn't know when to <laughs> doesn't know when to go. You've had yeah. such a huge career and you go you know one more fight type thing because you did retire and then you had a couple of Johnny Farnham style comebacks, didn't you? Yeah, I think so. I think ultimately, you know, I, felt, <laughs> I definitely had plenty of the Johnny Farnham farewell tour. Um, yeah. I think you know my my, my, my my intention was when I retired from the Waratahs in 2013 was to play. Um, a season or two to give back because I always felt like, you know, Australian rugby, yeah. you know, there's the one thing I wanted to say was that at least I gave back after the professional era. I felt like rugby gave me an enormous amount, um, both as a person mm. and professionally and then in my own career. And so, um, you know, that was 2015. Uh, we lost to Manly, I think, down at Manly uh, in a mm. semi-final with Chris Malone was sort of transitioning into the Waratahs and the Wallabies. And I felt like I'll have one more year. Came back in 2016 um, and we lost the final um, to Norse and probably played some of the best best, best rugby I felt for the club. But uh, unfortunately, Simon Cron and um, and Norse got over the line. And then I think you get stuck in that um, position where you're like, I'll just go one more time. And then in reality, I probably... I probably should have just played lower grades and enjoyed it and, and, and then moved on. And then probably the hardest thing is, is then you're trying to manage your other facets of your career. So I was working at the Sydney Sixers and then I was pretty good in performance and then you're still with the university and you're trying to play. And, um, you know, that, uh, you know, people would say, was it was at a low light missing out on semifinals in my final year. But I think it's probably fitting because it was a good lesson that, um, you know, the art of a, of a graceful exit is, is to know when to go. And so uh, mm. nothing lasts forever. Um, uh, yeah. And I think that that's really important. So, uh, yeah, I definitely probably probably went around one too many times. But I think hopefully that lesson will, will hold me in incredible stead for the rest of my life. And I'll know uh, in, in certain jobs or certain parts of my career, I'll know when enough's enough. And, you know, if I didn't uh, – if you were to ask me, was it worth it all? Um, I'd probably say yes and no. Like, I would love to have won a, one more premiership. You know, I still remember that 2013 grand final win. 
Um, mm. And I probably wanted to do it because I wanted to do it without players that were super rugby players. I wanted to try and prove that we could win one without everyone coming back at the end of the year. Um, but ultimately, I didn't do it. So I guess this history will say that that was a failure and, um, you know, plenty of lessons learned. Yeah, look, you've probably been a bit harsh on yourself there, mate. I mean, the reality was you were still playing first grade and dominating. And as you say, you had a very good year in, in 2016. And I think in terms of giving back, you know, finishing your career um, with the second most first grade caps in, at university in their history, illustrious history, 215 first grade games, it's, it's probably going to be a rarity, you'd think, uh, in, this, in this day and age. Well, as I tell everyone, hopefully, Virgil, uh, hopefully people aren't as silly enough to stay around for so long. I don't know whether it was a, a measure of ability or just the ability to, to endure and, and longevity, but, um, you know, I appreciate the sentiments. I think hopefully in time, you know, my family and my, and, and my kids perhaps will look back on that and be something that, you know, they can learn some lessons for perhaps. But, uh, yeah, I sort of I pretty am a hard taskmaster around that, you know, I think. I think you've got to, uh, you certainly got to enjoy your wins and, and then ultimately um, absolutely take your losses. Just just casting back before your, your time at uni, which we'll, we'll come back to, um, you're born out in the bush, out in Young, New South Wales, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, uh, brought up in uh, cattle country, so, um, and lots of cherries, but, um, you know, incredible, you know, growing up out there. I ended up playing a lot of my football. Football with Will Corbell, of course, and Tim Davidson, um, mm. who obviously uh, very well known friendship, and then funnily enough, ended up sort of training or working with Nathan Lyon, who grew up in Young as well. But um, you know, for a small town, it, um, you know, uh, has produced, produced some talent. Yeah. yeah, it has sort of produced Brett Hetherington, who won a premiership with the Canberra Raiders. Simon Wolford, the hooker for the Raiders. Yep. Uh, yep. Brett Mullins, the fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Devico, wow. the prop. Um, so yeah, there's been there's been a few out of there, which has which has been good. And you just um, did love sport as a kid. Uh, I was just uh, played cricket and, and did a bit of running, and, and my sister was a very good middle distance runner. But uh, more just grew up on the farm um, and loved loved. Always wanted to. I said to I think I said to my dad I wanted to do two things. And that was play professional rugby league and, and then breed cattle. So uh, mm-hmm. I ended up playing rugby, not rugby league, yeah. um, but, um, you know, just very active. And, and, and life on the land was tough back then. You know, there was there was drought, yeah. there was fires, there was there was things that, I guess, built resilience um, mm-hmm. and, and forced you to work pretty hard for it. Um, but played league predominantly in my, in my formative years and then it wasn't until I came to Sydney that I started to get involved in rugby. Did you ever think about playing league even through your professional time? Again? Yeah, I did. I did. I sort of a couple of times Manly um, and West Tigers spoke to me and probably yeah. 205, 208. And then even at the back end of my career, I thought about it again. Um, mm. I probably played it. Oh, it's pretty one-dimensional, mate. I carried the ball in the right hand and stepped off the right foot. <laughs> but, um, so I sort of probably yeah. could have played on the right edge a little bit. Um, but, 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 yeah. but, 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 you know, that was sort of, um, I guess... In hindsight, now I probably wish I did, uh, but yeah. people say that you know, you know, the one thing you were able to do was play for one club and, and one state. Um, mm. But I'm not, I'm not sure about that answer. I think, I think there's a little bit of an itch inside me that always would think, what happens if I went the other way? Yeah, well, look, it's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a less nuanced game, but given you had such a, you know, a grounding in it, you probably would have suited the mould pretty, pretty hard. It's, it's, a, it's a very physical game. It, it's a quite a confrontational game compared with rugby. Do you, did you find? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, you learn how to tackle out there. You learn how to win collisions, run pretty straight and hard. Um, 
uh, you know, I think a very different skill set to rugby, but um, yeah. certainly very physical. You know, I wouldn't want to be... I mean, I was a glutton for punishment because I had no footwork or skills. So I liked running into people in rugby, but I'm not sure if I'd do that yeah. in the middle in, in a game of NRL. Um, that looks pretty yeah. brutal these days. From uh, from young, the family uh, relocated to Sydney sort of towards your te- teens and you found yourself at King's? Yeah, so started at King's and then ended up at um, Taramo High for a few years and then um, moved to Knox in my last couple of years. So lost their family property, which was um, really hard on, I suppose, mum and dad. Um, mm-hmm. and, the, and at that stage, was probably keen to go back to King's, but I uh, was fortunate that I started playing some footy with the Warunga Tigers up on the North Shore and the Gordon yep. Juniors. Yep. Um, and Knox was a suburb away. And I sort of didn't really at that stage feel like sitting on a bus all the way from down Pennant Hills Road to go to King's. So um, yeah. went to Knox, which was a little bit different, um, but probably probably reflective of, of who I was as a person. Um, mm. And so, yeah, it was, was really fortunate to go to Knox and had um, – some really good years there, and 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 wasn't sure. Was playing cricket at that stage, and and um and doing athletics. So I wasn't sure that um rugby would would uh would be my I guess my passion for life. But wanted to follow yeah. my brothers who played at Sydney University Colts, who went from Kings to, to Sydney Uni. So yeah. at yeah. that stage, Sydney University wasn't. We hadn't even won a first grade premiership, so they weren't doing that well. That this sort of a back end of my years at Knox. Mm. Um, I think my lasting memory was in 1997. Um, Sydney Uni Colts team was undefeated all year and they ended up losing to Eastwood in the grand final decider. And, and that uni team contained both my brothers and Jeff mm. Mutton and Greg Thompson, who's now the head of jo- uh, rugby at Joey's, and Luke Inman, um, Drew Hickey, and a couple yeah. of people that went on to be the, the backbone of that sort of 2001 premiership side at Sydney Uni. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my lasting memory, and I sort of always felt, well, like, you know, it looks like a great place to go and play. So, um, you know, in 2001, I ended up following my brothers to, to Sydney Uni. Yeah, and, and you sort of walked in there and, you know, that, that gave you the platform. Did, did you think it found it like it gave you the tools that you needed to, to go as far as you could in rugby in terms of then into super rugby? Obviously, you came in, as you say, university potentially underachieving up until 2001, and then... You know, people like David Moore started started putting a, a real good program together. Obviously, well, it's funny Johnny Menenti, who I work with at um, now at uh, the Australian Sevens, and of course Sydney Club Rugby's most successful coach with three premierships at Eastwood. He was yep. sort of um, he'd come across from West, and he was a part of those early years with like Mark Avery and Chris Malone building the club. Um, mm. And I think you know people forget without going into the uh, the dynamics or, or, or the argument around, you know, the scholarships. Originally, the university culture was built around a, a, the camaraderie of university students working really hard during the week and then um, yep. and then enjoying each other's time off the field. And that was probably yeah. the thing that appealed to the most. You know, we were this group of young kids, particularly our Colts team that won in 2002. I think we the first group to win in 24 years. We sort of had Nick Hayden, who's now gone on to study at Oxford and be a doctor and there was mm. Tim Davidson, there was Will Corbwell, Alex Kanar, who ended up being a Wallaby, um, Dallas Carney. Um, you know, there's this group of players, Nick Edwards, who captained yeah. the USA Sevens and I think, you know, studied overseas. Um, Nathan Trist, who's a doctor. It was this this group of guys that grew up playing footy together at Colts and no different mm. to a village club like Manly and just embraced their, I guess, eccentricity of being a university student and, and you know, that was probably what my fond memory of, of the university football was. And then obviously later on it became the juggernaut that often 
I guess, polarised people. Um, but, 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 but in those formative formative stages, it was built around a culture of really enjoying each other's company on and off the field. And um, mm. that's what probably I felt probably shaped the early part of my career for sure. I think, yeah, I think what you're saying is exactly right. And I think that's been the trend if you look at any of these titles that you're talking about, Eastwood there and things like that. University, certainly, as well as, uh, you know, when you say that the whole the whole juggernaut perspective and how things started to become a really well-oiled machine. But beneath that, you, you had a nucleus that was starting to develop uh, of players that had played and wanted to be play with each other for a long time. You know, it's funny. I, I sort of reflect on 2017 and looking at, the Colts team that was undefeated for uni for for two years in a row, and they go on to win. Um, mm. And I've talked to Tim Davidson all the time about it, but it was a conscious decision to leave, you know, Tom Horton, Lockie Swinton, Guy Porter, Harry yeah. Potter, um, uh, Tim Clements, these guys in Colts, so that they could actually form a similar bond that was, you know, happened Cohesion. 17 years ago. And, and then 100% and enjoy each other's company and, enjoy playing footy and learning how to train hard and learning the bumps and bruises playing week in, week out. Um, and obviously, um, you know, you don't get any recognition or, or reward for the winning premierships, but there's a deep satisfaction knowing that the plan was to sort of bring this group into the club um, who may have not played together at school, but let them develop and form under the tutelage of Rob Taylor and and then hopefully in a period of time would be good enough to win um, first grade premierships and um, obviously, they've superseded expectations by winning two on the trot. But I think mm. if you look at the, the, you know, the Warringah teams in the last couple of years, and you look at all the good, you know, the Eastwood sides of fourteen and fifteen, there's certainly a period of time where they they spend a lot of time together, playing and enjoying each other's company, um, and uh, and that that gives you a great level of satisfaction. Yeah, what do you what do you put it down to? You know, the ease at which players, maybe from rep duty, can just join into the system, and it's just so seamless. Um, is is there a real strong? Do you think? Do you think at times, even maybe when university had the lion's share of Waratahs, which they sort of trending and still still are trending that way, that there was just that cohesion already at at a higher level, could just easily adapt to to the club side. Oh, I definitely think it's built around the sort of enjoyment you have when you're playing Colts football with people, because you you know no one starts out to be a professional um, rugby player. I think it's funny. I've worked with some professional cricketers over the last period of time, and I think everyone wants to be, um, you know, wear the baggy blue for New South Wales or wear the baggy green for Australia. Uh, But when you start out playing rugby at Colts, I think you just go around thinking, I want to go and play around with my mates, um, you know, on a Saturday and then go and have a beer on a Saturday night. Um, And I think that that camaraderie and bond, um, what's probably... Um, the university model with everyone either living on campus or nearby allows it to be intensified is because you probably spend more moments with each other, whether it be at training or on a Wednesday night at a uni night or studying together, you sort of build this camaraderie. Um, so that's probably one advantage that they've got. Um, and then I think that that trickles on to later. Um, when you win a grand final, it's in a, this is the most remarkable week of your life. I mean, outside of the game, you know, in the moment celebrating with fans and you know, the, the, the people, the supporters of the pub and the members, but then it's just the moments you get to spend with the group. Um, mm. If You know, I say it to everyone, if the one thing that I miss about rugby now is that is the sanctity of a change room. You know, if, yeah. you, could, if you could keep playing uh, every Saturday for the rest of your life without having to train and the bumps and the bruises, you'd do it because um, those bonds and those moments are pretty incredible and you know, it's funny this week, I sort of, even Laurie Weeks, who who went on to have a great career with the Queensland Reds and the Wallabies and the Rebels, 
Um, you know, you win a premiership with him in, you know, back in 2006 and there's sort of moments that you, you know, you laugh and share about. So um, that's mm. probably the thing, I think, is that bond that the that, that university is allowed to um, transfer or, you know, it's like an emancipation and it goes through everyone. So even though when you go on and play uh, professional rugby, you still um, forever have that memory. Yeah, and and that's something you did go on and do uh, play professional rugby. You, you you know you amassed eighty four Super Rugby caps, which is which is quite amazing throughout that whole you know success you had at uni at the same time playing pro rugby. But your your time in Super Rugby, you thoroughly enjoying that? Yeah, probably look back and reflect on it now. Uh, I regret a lot. Like probably played played a persona of being pretty one dimensional, just truck the ball up, make my tackles, chase kicks. Um, so I guess you never regret your career but 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 I certainly would do things differently if I had the time again and probably hopefully that'll shape the way I coach or if I was to go back into rugby what I would do um you know I think you know so well, super rugby's now it's obviously struggling but you know we used to play in front of 38 40,000 people at, at a football stadium and it was just incredible yeah. playing with yeah. people like Phil War and um Dan Bickerman and Lottie Fakiri, it was just quite remarkable, really. So um, those times are magical, and, and we, we had lots of success. I sort of started my career in 2005, so we lost a final and then um, had lots of – made the 2008 final and, and a few semifinals along the way, and then obviously retired in 2013 but didn't get to experience the 2014 final. But, um, mm. you know – it probably, uh, I always used to say there was this dark cloud over Moore Park when we lost at the Waratahs on a weekend, and then you turn up on a Monday. Um, but 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 some memories that you you know to travel the world and play with some incredible people was something I'll cherish. But how I personally played would would probably try and do it differently. Is that because you limited to yourself on what you th- you thought you were, or or what you were instructed to do, or or, or what in terms of your regrets in terms of how yeah, you play? Yeah, well, I think you play conservatively. I think you, you create a a role for yourself within a group, and and then you just go out there and do your job, and you probably lose that uh, lack of love for the game. So it's been great to be able to see a little bit of the New Zealand Super Rugby, and even some of the young Waratahs like James Ram or some of these guys plays that they just seem to play with freedom and, and I guess not a lack of regard, but there's certainly a carefree element to how they're performing. And I think I probably played really conservatively because you're trying to play to get picked each week and, you know, you know, rather than actually having the freedom just to play heads up footy. And I've sort of said to a few people very close to me, the most enjoyable part of going back and playing club rugby at the end of my super rugby career was that I was able to play with the freedom. I felt like I didn't have super rugby. Um, when you play Colts, you do that. But when you sort of get um, at the back end of your career and, you know, you play professionally, you tend to tighten up and get a little bit more conservatively. Um, and I say it to a few people, you know, I'm in athletic performance now, but how many people enter professional programs and come out slower or heavier or less athletic than they went into in there? So, um, yeah, that, that, that was probably the two things that I would say. Um, with, with the takeaways for me was was really around pr- the way I approach games and then, and then secondly, probably athletically, I would have done things a little bit differently. I mean, I was always criticised for being slow um, and I always joked that I was deceptively slow. So hopefully I, I would have been able to rectify that if I had my time again. 
Do you think that um, going back to this thing about you saying the whole one dimension thing? Do you think because you know if you look at your professional career, you've eighty four Super Rugby games, you played Australian seven, Australian under nineteens, and you had a long career in rugby. Not many guys have a career is that that long without starting to get on the national radar. Do you think that hurt your chances? Maybe you know playing for for the Wallabies. Oh, I think probably. Unfortunately, the biggest thing I regret is probably the perception. I think it's funny even now, still three years only out of the game, you know, people come across as a person on the field, you know, I wore my heart on the sleeve. Um, I was pretty passionate, but I think that polarises people and, um, you know, no one has a right to wear the Wallaby jersey. It's a privilege. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I'd earned that right or deserve to be picked. Sure. Um, I felt like at times I played really well. Um, certainly 2011 Super Rugby season, um, 2008, but, um, you know, people didn't think that I was good enough. And that's that's okay, you know. Like, it's funny. I sort of um, – I think it's it, – it, it, not being pl- not being picked to play for my country um, will hold me in good stead at the back end of my career because I think, you know, my own career now, because I think it forces you to realise that it's just one person's uh, opinion or it's a perception and, and ultimately you have a choice whether you – uh, live your life based on that perception, or you, or you choose to keep going and, and trying to forge out a career. So, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, it's another thing that I have to live with. Um, <laughs> and, and some days it'd be nice to be able to say that you play for your country. Um, yeah. Whether I've done a good job or not, I'm not sure. I always said that though. Like I said, you know, I was able to play against the British Lions and had a had a had a reasonable 45 minutes. So, couple of tries. Yeah, a couple of tries, fell over the line a couple of times, which is okay. Um, but 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 felt like you know had if I'd been given an opportunity, maybe my style of footy would have suited um, Test rugby better. But mm. you know that's probably um, you know that's probably going to be discussed over a family barbecue with a few beers in the backyard. And I'm sure um, you know I think that I deserved it a little bit more when I'm around my, my brothers. But um, ultimately, yeah, it wasn't good enough to be picked, and you know that's sometimes the way the the the, the cards fall. Rotas play on quickly, Bernard Foley goes long left and there's numbers. And it sits up for Beetham. Carter on the inside. Beetham. Beetham pops it over the top to John Carter. It's a spot for the line, but they're going to get to him. Zemo gives up the chase and there's the reply from the New South Wales Rotas. Yeah, just going on that on that Lions game, which was quite quite amazing and, and a fitting farewell to your professional journey. You did score two tries, which you'd only be in a handful of people around the world that have done that. Probably a few All Blacks, etc. So that's that's one for for the grandkids. But your did I read your brother played against them in two thousand and one? Yeah, he did actually, and he set up a try for Manny Edmonds, which was quite incredible. Really, rubbing up and under and caught it. Yeah, so um, you know Ed's gone on to came, to captain Cambridge Uni and captain Australian sevens and mm. and he's gone on to have a very successful career in banking and um you know it's a great moment for us to be able to share as brothers uh funnily enough I think that the the inside center I marked against the Lions was Jamie Roberts and he ended up at Cambridge so yeah. Ed had a little bit to do with him there <laughs> but yeah one of those remarkable things um I, you know I looked up to my you know I probably think the eldest brother Charles was the most talented like no one knows but he got picked for Australian 19 ahead of Ended up doing his hammy, and then um, you know they picked Sterling. So mm. um, Charles was probably he played in those sort of like late nineties at Sydney Uni when they were doing it really tough. Um, and then and then obviously Ed was um, they were both pretty instrumental in my career around 
um, you know, more around the sort of attitude around the collision and, mm. and playing tough and, um, you know, I'll obviously bag myself a little bit earlier, but, you know, they were probably the ones that kept me going in terms of longevity um, around, you know, work ethic and, you know, nothing's a, you know, nothing's a given in life and so don't take it for granted. So mm. um, I'm very grateful to have them as, as brothers and probably people I looked up to. Yeah, awesome. Going back to the, the shoot shield space, obviously um, universities dominance has been the envy of the competition for a long time and that period uh, where you were sort of front and centre of the team, um, you know, ha- has has obviously been observed by, by far and many and, and, you know, I think the whole anyone but uni movement, you know, sort of stemmed out of that period and, and you'd be honest in saying, you know, front front and centre of, of that hatred, for lack of a better word, has stemmed, has stemmed through you at times around uh, the Sydney competition. Um, I just have to delve into a little bit of that because, you know, you have provided... Um, you have provided so much entertainment uh, around the grounds of Sydney for the better part of the last ten to fifteen years, and you know, I know, I know you'll probably look back with it with with, with a bit of a joke, but obviously, maybe a couple of regrets here and there. But it's been good fun, hasn't it? Yeah, I think I'm glad we can describe it as good fun. Uh, yeah, look, plenty of regrets. I think ultimately, like you know, I sort of um, hopefully can, you know turn up the grounds now it's funny i was down at southern district watching the sydney sevens on sunday and i felt like for the first time in a while i could actually go into a, a ground that wasn't sydney <laughs> university and feel comfortable in my own being um so three years is a long time but um i oh, look you know the funny thing is is that uh i loved winning and i love i was really competitive and and i yep. suppose lots of you know hopefully in time people will <clears throat> take for how i was on the field for who i was on the field and and, and, and judge me for their interactions with me off it. Um, but the one thing I'll say is, is the, the hill at Manly or um, the hillbillies at Rat Park um, or, or the crowd at Eastwood, that, that they're the moments that you remember the most about the game. Yeah. You know, that, that, that that's what sort of the village, the patriotism, how much people love their, their club rugby and their, and their village and their community. And I think... Uh, you know, whilst it wasn't always pleasant for my family and and, and my loved ones who who had to experience the uh, the often um, retribution for how I behaved on the field, um, it's what makes rugby great. And I think that people say the game's struggling, but I kind of always say that as long as that still exists at the grassroots level, the game will always thrive and always be healthy. So, um, not not for one minute saying I contributed to that, but everyone loves to hate someone. And unfortunately or fortunately at times it was me and hundred percent there's definitely moments I regret and look back on that and think, shit, you know, there's the moments <laughs> you think, you know, what was I thinking down at Manly in that day? Or what was I thinking at Eastwood or um, those moments? Um, but hopefully in time, people will respect me for the fact that I sort of, oh, I sort of stuck at club rugby for a long period of time and hopefully they'll, uh, recognise a contribution um, for the game, but but not for my own ego, but more for that we need more people to do it. You know, like the game is only as good as the contribution people want to give to it. So the volunteers, the people that turn up every Saturday, that's what's great about Rugby Union. And hopefully, um, hopefully in time we have more of those people. And um, you know, it's that's forever etched, forever etched in my memory. I mean, I spent seventeen years doing it, so. I had to enjoy some element of it. 
Mate, it's God. I, it, look, the whole love to hate thing I'm so on board with and, and I was looking through my Facebook feed. I said, maybe I've slagged this guy off a few times on Facebook. <laughs> I, I checked out my uh, club page and it said, oh, it's boys, it's, too, it's Tom Cutter's 200th uh, first grade game. As much as a pest of this guy is, let's just give him some respect and then when the whistle blows, you can get stuck in again. <laughs> but it was, yeah. I think there's been a, 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 bit, a, bit, a bit of give and take, but... Yeah, I, I, it was great theatre, and it was a little bit sad when you when you pulled the pin on the comp. It's not going to like it all went very quiet because what what do we do now? What do we do now? <laughs> oh, look, and I think um, uh, look as I said, hopefully in time I can go back and have a beer with a few people. And I mean, that's what I loved the most was you know you cop it on the hill yeah. down at Rat Park or at Manly, and then you go and have a beer after the game. And um, you know, I think. You know, uh, you know that's why you play. You know, I sort of always said it to someone. You, you know, Davo or Tim Davidson always say to me, you know, it's what makes the game so great, and and the contests and and, and those rivalries and the, and, the, and the tribalism. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm sure in time as I go on, I'll, I'll look back and reflect on those moments. Um, you know, a little bit fondly at the moment when you're trying to forge your career away from rugby, I sit there and shake my head and think, shit. I've certainly made it tough for myself to forge a career outside of it. So yeah, uh, no, you'll be right. I checked out a few of the uh, pages out there online. They still exist, but they're they're pretty idle, mate. It's okay. That's a bit, <laughs> there's still the Tom Carter gets bitch slapped. There's the Tom Carter biggest joke yeah. in rugby. There's the Palamo yeah. tackle that's been seen 48 million times in the club rugby circles. There's, but anyway, yeah. mate, it's, it's gold. But look, they're, they're, it's not, they're not very much anymore now you've walked away from the game. But um, I can tell I agree, you... I appreciate that. I can tell you as a fan, it was great. But look, I just want to touch uh, on a guy you just mentioned there, Tim um, Davidson. Obviously, you know, you grew up with him and he's been there pretty much the whole way through your, your career. You, you guys are very much a, a yin and yang, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how you are as people. You're probably more of the extrovert. Tim's a bit of an introvert, but he's been a big part of your, your career, hasn't he? Yeah, look, obviously grew up, the story is as we grew up sort of uh, four months apart in, in young and, and uh, you know, uh, been uh, um, <clears throat> grooms when our best man at each other's weddings and, yeah, the best part of 37 years. I mean, it's funny, it's, it's sort of uh, away from the field, we're probably opposites to how we were on the field, I think. Mm. Um, he and he's forged a career in agribusiness and um, he did some work with the SAU and gave back to the game and, just an incredible person, and I hope he's not lost. I mean, I know he's not involved in it currently, um, and he did an incredible job at Sydney University in, in trying times. Obviously, when they were phasing out David Mortimer and that was transitioning, and he did an incredible job to set it up for Rob Taylor. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that's not lost. Um, I know in his final year we didn't make the final, uh, but you know, an incredible human um, and someone I can't speak highly enough, and certainly had the incredible leadership and people skills that uh, I perhaps didn't possess at times when I was playing, but, um, you know, really shaped that club, shaped the work ethic to, to motivate and unite. And we, and we touched upon it earlier. Um, he was really good at integrating the super rugby players and getting them to play for, for a common cause and a collective. And that's, <clears throat> that can never be understated. You know, it's very hard. People forget that times we might have Brumbies players, Melbourne Rebels players, Waratahs coming back with an existing group that's been there all year. And, and he just had this incredible ability to unite them and get them to play for a common cause. So, um, you know, I can't speak highly enough for him as a human and, and, and then what he did around our premierships. And I think his, his captaincy record of 157 games and 145 wins rivals Richie McCaw stuff. So mm. um, I suppose that speaks louder than words, really. 
Yeah, no, it certainly does. It's, it's an amazing record. And, um, yeah, he's left a, a big, big mark on the competition himself too. But with, um, you know, moving, you know, out of rugby into your career now, have you taken, you know, that whole mindset of yours into sort of, you know, your approach to high-performance sport? Obviously, it's um, it's it's something that, that, that you're really interested in. No, I'm probably totally different, to be honest. It's funny, isn't it? You know, I spent, I spent, I was probably spent the last best part of eighteen months with the girls at at Australian in the Sevens, um, trying to disprove all the theories that they all thought that they had about me when I played. So, yeah. um, you know, I think <clears throat> try and coach or guide like I probably felt as if I was what I would have liked as a player. Um, but I'm very really fortunate, as I said earlier. I've I've been privilege to be able to work with Johnny Menenti, who's, I think, you know, one of the best coaches. I, I work with Trevor Bayless at the Sydney Sixers, who's gone on to win a World Cup with England in cricket. But, yep. you know, the management skills or people management skills of Johnny Menenti and his vision of how he wants the game to be played is sort of second to none. And so that's probably shaped my views a little bit. Um, but, you know, I sort of felt like my job is to create athletic excellence and try and improve people. And, Ultimately, um, SNCs or athletic performance people's role is if you can sort of help people get better, then I feel like you've done your job. But ultimately, it's to support the head coach in whatever vision he wants. Um, mm. You know, the one positive of never being a Wallaby was I did a lot of pre-seasons at the Waratahs. So yeah, that was 10 of them. Um, and we had a few SNCs over that time. And I always felt like um, the one thing that I disappointed in Australian rugby was we were always changing whether it be fitness tests or whether we needed to get bigger and stronger or one season I might we need to get fitter or one season I might we get um, faster um, so I've tried to create um, a sense of I guess consistency amongst our group and, and whoever I've trained whether it be um, some of my private clients like Nathan or, or Brad Haddon and that was more around look, I'll be the rock in your life that will be totally consistent time and time again so everything else may change your form your selection uh, but I'll try and be consistent with how I approach you as a person and, and where I think you need to go um, and that's probably how I've tried to coach uh, which is very different probably very different left field I always say you know everyone's environment and their genetics are different and you need to be able to treat people as an individual to come together better as a collective so that's what I've tried to to implement I've sort of I don't know if I've done it right all the time. Um, mm. Ask me in a few years, but 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 it's certainly um, I've enjoyed the relationships I've been able to build through that. Are you doing anything yourself competitively in terms of exercise training, or you were doing some running there? For yeah, a bit, still keeping that up. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to do an I'm trying to do an Ironman, but Ironman. Um, my wife's really trying to um, restrict the training volume. But they say you have got to do about thirty hours a week oh, um, for about forty weeks. So I'm still going about fifteen hours at the moment. But um, Johnny Meneni, that sevens coach, is putting me to shame at the moment. He's doing a fair bit more training than I am. But I'd like to do Kona. I, I can't swim. <laughs> um, and it's funny. I, I train a couple of swimmers. And <clears throat> my mother-in-law is an Olympic silver medalist in, in the wow. 400 individual medley from Los Angeles. And I, uh, you'd like this. I was sort of the other day, I was, we were on a family holiday, and I started giving her some feedback on a stroke. And um, I, needless to say, like I can barely dog paddle, so um, I don't think she enjoyed my banner at all regarding her swimming, her swimming strength technique. So, um, look, I'd, I'd like to be able to do do an Ironman. I just think through the fact that it'd be just to to swim three point eight k's and then ride one hundred and eighty and then run a marathon. I sort of feel like that um, in 
endurance and capacity would be would be pretty incredible to be able to try and do. You struck me as a kind of guy that absolutely loved his training. Is, is that is that true? Like obviously, you put your time into your, into your weights and your your exercise. You just love it. Yeah, I do. I do. I think um, I think the the the, the greatest thing is challenging the limits of human physiology and challenging yourself and um we don't know what the limits are uh, you know and we don't know what fit is for rugby and we don't know what um the capacity of of what we can achieve and so for me that's probably you know what i sort of wake up for every day is 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 how good can you make someone or, or how good can you be obviously my career's passed so it's really irrelevant what i try and do now but still try and have the same mentality around that and I, I truly believe that I truly believe if you give people the right environment and support them you can try and do extraordinary things so um you know that's what I I sort of try and I guess guide my philosophy around yeah that's awesome mate before we wind this up and I've got a couple of quick fire questions at the end I just want to get a very nutshell, and you can't give a nutshell on this. Yeah. What's your view on the pro game at the moment? It's it's it's, it's been struggling. But you got any sort of thoughts about? You see any sort of silver lining coming our way? Maybe with this whole reset with COVID and everything. Yeah, I do. I, I really genuinely believe Australian rugby's best years are ahead of it. I think that with Dave Rennie, um, the Wallaby coaching group, uh, Dean Benton, John Pryor, and Australian rugby, I think we're going to do some great things. Um, and I think that the new format that they've proposed is really exciting. So I definitely think that. And I think watching some of the club rugby stuff, it's it's been a great start to the year. So I think if we truly believe and we want it to succeed, it will. Um, I think we've, we've certainly been through the worst of it um, regarding our results at a Wallaby level. And, um, and so I think, you know, exciting times are ahead and, and you've got to believe that. And, and hopefully um, we can get some excitement around whatever... Uh, competition format um, occurs and, 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 and what's being shaped for the future. Here, here. Mate, this is the fast five. Um, some of these are faster than others, but uh, biggest influence on your career? Uh, father. Last book you have read? Uh, it's called The Talent uh, Lab regarding how uh, Team GB turned around their performances in the 2008 Olympics and ended up being really successful in London and then Rio. Favourite fans to roll up? Uh, Manly on the hill. Best memory on the field? Oh, winning a premiership and probably my first grade debut playing with my brother, who was a captain. Favourite place in Sydney? Or home, you know, uh, home. Tom, mate, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know plenty of people will be very interested to hear from you, so thanks for joining the uh, podcast, mate. You're very welcome. Thanks, Abby.